peace and goodwill to all men. It's time to shine, 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 shine. Welcome to another episode of Pause with the Pastors. This is Tammy Jackson. I'm the senior pastor at Aniston First. I'm here with Kyle Braun, one of our associate pastors. He's going to be preaching this week as we continue our model church series, as we talk about how the book of Acts teaches us about the model church, but then we have lots of examples of how the church struggles to be that model church, to be as close to that as they possibly can be. Kyle, tell us about this week's sermon. So this week, we're going to be talking about the presence of God outside the church. So in some ways, this sermon really um, is a sequel to yours from this past week when you talked about who do we welcome and who do we mm-hmm. minister to over time and and how do we include new persons in the life and the ministry of the church. In, in some ways, the early church in Acts was confronted by an idea about God that has been pretty pervasive throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament as in that is whether we're talking about Israel or whether we're talking about the church, they never have a monopoly on God. Um, mm-hmm. God certainly shows up in the tabernacle and the temple and in the presence of believers praying and worshiping, but God is not simply relegated to those places. The reality is, is that God is everywhere mm-hmm. and in all places, and oftentimes, um, Unlikely places. Mm-hmm. And so this Sunday, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 17 as an example of the presence of God outside a community of faith. Mm-hmm. So that is Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 29. It says, The longer Paul waited in Athens for Silas and Timothy, the angrier he got. <laughs> All those idols. The city was a junkyard of idols. He discussed it with the Jews and other like-minded people at their meeting place, and every day he went out on the streets and talked with anyone who happened along. He got to know some of the Epicurean and Stoic intellectuals pretty well through these conversations. Some of them dismissed him with sarcasm. What a moron. But others, listening to him go on about Jesus and the resurrection, were intrigued. That's a new slant on the gods. Tell us more. These people got together and asked him to make a public presentation over at the Areopagus, where things were a little quieter. They said, this is a new one on us. We've never heard anything quite like it. Where did you come up with this anyway? Explain it so we can understand. Downtown Athens was a great place for gossip. There were always people hanging around, natives and tourists alike, waiting for the latest tidbit on most anything. So Paul took his stand in the open space at the Areopagus and laid it out for them. It is plain to see that you Athenians take your religion seriously. When I arrived here the other day, I was fascinated with all the shrines I came across. And then I found one inscribed to the God nobody knows. I'm here to introduce you to this God so you can worship intelligently, know who you're dealing with. So Mm -hmm. our scripture continues on, but I Mm -hmm. think... What's really interesting and pertinent to us is how this thing that already existed in their culture, Paul is is able and does, in fact, go on to show how this points um, to the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and Jacob that's revealed in Jesus of Nazareth. So I look forward to seeing the ways that God finds expression in our culture um, and in our world, because those are many. 
John Wesley would call that prevenient grace at work. The fact Absolutely. that there was already an idol to a God nobody knows. They knew there was more than they knew. There was something already at work there. And that's what we often find. We're much more comfortable with putting God in a box. God expects worship like this, with this style of music, or on this at this hour on Sunday morning, or in this way, or God only moves like this. And really, the witness of Scripture is that God will not be put in a box. Mm-hmm. God will not be contained in one place and works in a myriad of ways that we need to be open to. Yes. One of the, um, one of the things I really enjoy doing when I go on vacation is, and I'll, in full disclosure here, not going to church <laughs> on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've had several instances in going on vacation— and then spending a Sunday, a Sunday morning, doing what other people do and going to other things and seeing where God is present. And one of those instances was a few years ago when Leanne and I went to Chicago and she was on um, she was on a continuing education trip, but I got to tag along. And so on that Sunday morning, she had a free morning. So we could have went to um, Otis Moss III's church in Chicago, which is Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have heard him, but instead we actually took some time to go to a pride parade. And I'd never been to one. I had no idea what to expect, but wow, it was amazing to see the presence of God in this community that has been so um, excluded in some ways from the life of the church um, and really struggled with identity and self-worth in some instances, to see people embracing who God made them to be and doing so in mm-hmm. a way that was entirely appropriate because mm-hmm. the stereotypes that we have about pride parades are not at all accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just another instance of God at work in the culture around us um, and really calling the church to be in mm-hmm. tune to that and maybe take up some of that as well and incorporate some of that in the work mm-hmm. that we do. My concern over the church for several years now, many years, has been that we don't often discern where God is working and join God in that work. We seem to say, this is how we work, and we want God to come bless it, which really is reversing the roles. That's really trying to make ourselves God Mm -hmm. and God our servant, whereas we're supposed to follow God. God is at work in the world, redeeming people and calling people. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be left out of that. I don't. Mm-mm. But I feel like in many ways the church has been because we have refused mm-hmm. to be willing to do the things that God is calling us to do. We as Methodist Christians actually exist because of a move just like that. Mm-hmm. Wesley, John Wesley wanted to see the Anglican church um, revived and renewed. And he couldn't do it within the church because everywhere he kept going to preach, they kept running him out. Um, They kept running him out of town, running him out of the chapels, wouldn't let him speak to him in their pulpits, were not interested in what God was doing through John Wesley. So he had to do something that other people considered inappropriate, actually that John Wesley considered inappropriate. He had to go to the fields Mm -hmm. and preach and go outside and catch people where they were. So when we do things like have bar church, we're actually following in the footsteps of John Wesley, who went in to the pubs and encountered and Mm -hmm. talked with people there. He went out into the highways and byways in the fields and and talked with people. Um, I want us 
to bring what God is doing into all of our community. That's how we live into our vision of a community transformed is we break down these walls and this separation between what is church and what is not church. The benefit of the early Christians was that they didn't have buildings dedicated to worship. They couldn't call a place church. Mm -hmm. They understood that church was the gathering. We are the church. We gather in a building to study, to grow, to worship. But anywhere we go is church because we're the church. That's right. Well, I look forward to um, joining you all in worship this Sunday at 1400 Noble Street. Um, I hope you'll join us at 10 a.m. 